Hi, and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. I've just returned from Western Australia where I saw some wonderful things. Uh, In a moment I'm going to start sharing from Psalm 34, but before I do, um, I'll just tell you some of what I saw. I went to Kalgoorlie, Kalgoorlie Boulder, which is really the biggest town in the outback, and we have a Nigerian pastor there who has filled the church with 14 nationalities. And he's just the right man for the job. I'd never met him before. I didn't know what I was going to or who I was going to or what he would be like. Various people had given me accounts of him. But when I arrived, uh, there was this very big man, blue-black skin from Nigeria, and the church was full of Aborigine families, old ladies on walking frames, men dialysis patients and so on and it was their church the singing was wonderful and there were baby dedications and I I looked at all the happy faces I looked at all the people really happy in God some of them had come from miles out uh, in the desert and come into church because it's their church and after, after the service they sat out on the pavement in 44 degree heat eating their chickens and salad and it was just great. I, I thought, what a, how good to see a church that's a family church where people have found a place where they belong that's theirs. It, they didn't feel like they were being programmed at or they weren't coming to theatre, they weren't coming to a show. It was their church where they meet as a family and where they all feel a part and they all contribute to it. And, and uh, the, the church had high and low. It had... Uh, lawyers and dentists and doctors and all sorts of people, engineers and people that work out in the mines. And it had people with no education and no money and all welcome and lots of kids running around. It was just great to see. I just thought we have got a really healthy church there. And this, this man hasn't been there very long. And I went around town. I'd rolled over in my sleep and smashed my glasses so I needed to have them replaced. And... Uh, or some of it fixed and uh, I went to the opticians and they said what are you doing in town and I said I've come to speak at the local church so they they knocked some money off the price and and when I first arrived uh, this man who I'd never met told me he hadn't eaten breakfast so I took him out for breakfast he sent his eggs back three times to get them cooked like rubber because he liked everything extra overcooked and while we sat there eating Men, rough men, came off the street to greet him and shake him by the hand and they called him chocolate and they spoke strangely to him and he he took it all well and there's real racism out there. He had people from his street come and tell him they didn't want him living on the street, that it would lower their property values and they wanted him to go. And uh, he just said, look, I'm going to love you into my church. And they swore at him and used bad language. And he even had witch doctors come into the service and curse the people and curse the church. He just goes, I'm going to love you into my church. They went round to his house 
uh, to intimidate his wife, and his wife rang up, shall I call the police? No. Uh, he came home and he fed them. <laughs> and uh, one of the women said to my friend's wife, my new friend's wife, uh, my husband wants the power that your man has got. He said, well, unless he's born again, he'll never get it because to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Well, he's been there a few years and he has loved people into the church. Like, I hate high-fiving. I just, just absolutely hate it. But uh, I always feel forced when it happens. It's people who love it. Oh, God bless them all <laughs> and keep them far from me. But anyway... <laughs> But this man goes around high-fiving everybody in church, and they love it. And it was just so good to see. And during the baby dedication, the lady spoke in her own language, and somebody translated as she just talked about the Lord. I came away so happy having seen it and thought, there's some great stuff going on. It's light years away from Noosa. You know, Noosa's the up-and-outs as well as the down-and-outs, and not all the sharks are in the water here the art of the crafty deal, a lot of deceit and false show and stuff here. We've got our problems, they've got their problems, but God's big enough for all our problems. And uh, it was just great to see. And in Perth and also in Mandurah, uh, I had a good time in WA, really good. Uh, so anyway, having said all of that, report back. So I came back a happy man anyway. Uh, so we're going to look at Psalm 34 Psalm 34 is one of my favorite psalms. Psalms is a good, rich territory to feed, and especially if you're feeling a bit depressed, because there's some real lifting up stuff here, and this particular psalm I love. So we'll just go through it very quickly. I'll make some remarks, and then we'll see how it's quoted elsewhere. So let's put those there. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. I remember once hearing somebody giving their testimony. They went on and on and it became boring. And I was wishing they would shut up. I thought they're, I thought they're just showing off. And the Lord said to me, spoke in my heart, I never hear voices unless they're human. But I... I heard him say, there's a reason why you're not glad, because you're proud. The humble shall hear and be glad. If you were humble, you would be glad that they're feeling some victory and you wouldn't be wishing it was you up there. The fact that you're so proud is why you're not enjoying the message. And uh, it's a big thing. I remember visiting a brethren lady who had a, she's a lovely lady, she had a, a pact with God that if she found a Bible verse a blessing, she would always share it with two people that day. She'd look for two victims. And she had already shared it once, but now it was another person's turn. And I was a kid. I was 21, newly saved. And she was giving me a big feed and a big drink of lemonade. And she said, I've got a verse for you. And I was troubled because I wanted so much to receive from God and do myself good in God, but I didn't know how to get blessed. I knew I was forgiven, but how to live in God's blessing, receive God's blessing, that was quite another thing. Anyway, she said, oh, Marcus, I've got a verse for you. I shared it with one person. Now it's your turn. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Isn't it wonderful? 
And I'm going, ouch. <laughs> and then I went to Church Assemblies of God where Frank Houston used to preach. And uh, I only ever knew good of that man. I know there's another version of things now, but I only ever knew good of him. And there was an old man there, and, and he said, I've got a word for you. I said, oh, what is it? And he said, because I'd been saying to the Lord, I really want to live in faith. I know faith's the victory that overcomes the world. I really want to live in faith. But how do you get there? And I had just learned something that I've remembered all my life, and that's the word for faith and the word for belief are identical in, in Greek. They're the same word. So faith doesn't turn into belief. Belief doesn't turn into faith. They're the same thing. And, uh, you know, a butterfly doesn't turn into a butterfly. And uh, so at least I knew they were the same thing, but I didn't know how to get it, and I was having trouble believing. I could read a promise of God. It would seem wonderful to me, but I couldn't get it. Anyway, this man said to me, he said, have a look at this. And he turned to the book of John where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says to them, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and not the honor that comes from God only? And here was the same thing the brethren lady had been saying, God resists the proud. How can you believe if you receive glory one from another? And flattery is absolute toxic poison because it can go to your head and when it does, it's hard for you to believe. You're more liable to be cynical when you're proud. And I was. And uh, I've also learned that God can read your mail. You know, people can bring you a word and they don't know that God already brought you that word and so you have a confirmation where God says you'll not speak by a single witness but by two or three witnesses shall every truth be established. And uh, that ha that's one of the ways you know you've got God's attention that he keeps bringing you the same word. You could travel to India or France or somewhere and somebody somewhere will bring the same word to you that you already received and you go, oh, I thank God that he knows me and sees me. But it's just real. I, I was a, when I was in Perth, there was a man there, David McCracken, who's reputed to be a prophet. I always get a bit on edge when somebody said to be a prophet because I think of Jonestown and I think of Waco, Texas, and all the creepy prophets. Most people who say they're prophets are not. Uh, the real ones don't wear big labels. Uh, but anyway, this man brought me a word, and it was the same word that Jeff Crabtree had brought me here, almost word for word. He didn't know. And you just go, that's God. That's just, that's just God. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. It's okay to boast as long as you boast about God instead of yourself. And, of course, that's in Jeremiah 6 where it says, um, or it might be 9, where it says, don't boast in your might or your wisdom or your riches, but boast that you know God. And it's, it's there. Then he says, I magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We're lifting up some sort of name. If it's a book or an author or a movement, it's in danger. But if the talk is mostly about Jesus, you're on safe ground. Whose name is getting glorified? I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Lots of people are in a little prison of fears. And God can release you from your prison. In the beginning of Luke, Luke 1 and 2 are really good to read because it's all about the mission of Jesus. And one of the things that it says there about verse 67, 1 verse 67, it says that we being free from the fear of all our enemies might, 
serve him in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. The big day for you when you get over your fears. There used to be a surf company that had slogans, no fear. And there's a right and wrong fear. There's a good fear. The good fear is the fear of the Lord to be in awe and reverence of God. And there's a bad fear. And the bad fear is uh, to be terrified of things happening to you and to be the victim forever, play the victim, live the victim. And uh, you're either living your faith or your fears, one or the other. The problem with the no fear slogan, though, is that sometimes we're bold about things we ought not to be. Uh, so a few days after my birthday, on the 19th of January, um, one of the great uh, supermodels, fitness stars, tried to outrun a train in L.A. He got on the tracks running ahead of it, advertising a sports drink, Greg Plitt, and got mowed down and killed. So there's a lot of outpouring of grief online at the moment. But that's the wrong kind of boldness. That's boldness of totally ignoring truths and having an appointment with truth and he's gone as a result his parents put a thing online saying our son has gone to his heavenly father I hope it's true I don't know I don't know if he knew the Lord God wants to deliver you from your fears by helping you face them and learning that he's with you most of you'll know Psalm 23 where it says though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil for thou art with me. And uh, that's the secret for overcoming your fear, is not that you are bold, but that God is with you. So you can say, I don't have to face anything ever alone. I've seen somebody do it. I had some friends in the intelligence service, and they had very clever sons. And one of them, Emil, was uh, six years old. He spoke four languages, age six. And he took his father's revolver, shot himself in the head while he was in the bath with the gas caliphant turned on. He had also taken pills to kill himself at six. He had worked out how to kill himself. He was so bright. And when he died, how broken his parents were. They had loved him. They had given him attention. They, had, they certainly weren't parents that neglected their children. And now their little boy had killed himself. I believe it was demonically inspired. It's just a bit too clever for a six-year-old, but he did it. But worst of all, they were people who had mocked the gospel and mocked God, and they were very clever with double entendres, you know, sexual jokes and mocking at God and so on. The Bible says, beware God is not mocked, and we reap what we sow. And when they were heartbroken, it wasn't like with a Christian where you can say, your heavenly Father is there for you, remember the verses. They had no verses to remember. And I remembered what Moses had said, their rock is not like our rock. When you know God the rock, uh, you're not smarter and better than anybody else, but you just never face anything on your own. It isn't that sorrow won't visit, but that at least you don't have to put up with it all yourself. You've got somebody to walk through it. Of course they were loved by God, but they didn't know the love. Knowing the love is the issue. When you know the love of God, something happens to you and it casts out the fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. I sought the Lord, he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him, 
capital H, because it's God, and were radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. I taste and see the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Isn't that an amazing statement? God is a good giver, longs to give, longs to be generous, and if you serve him, you will not be in want of any good thing. There may be things you want that he doesn't give you because they're not good things in his view or good for you now, but he's a loving father who watches over you and knows what you need. Before you ask, Jesus said, he knows the things you need. I remember when I first started the Jesus Center in Christchurch, I had a list of all the things that I wanted. I wanted an aquarium. I wanted brass fire guard. I wanted curtains, but I wanted bamboo-colored curtains, and I wanted shears, and I, I wanted all sorts of things. I, had, I wrote a list because I knew that he says, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. So I thought, I'll be a big asker. I knew there was a verse that said, you have not because you ask not, and I thought, that'll never be me, I'll ask. And somebody had said to me, when you bring all your requests to God, bring lots, and then there's always something happening to cheer you up about the things that aren't happening. But if you're waiting for just one thing, you get all disappointed. And it's true. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you've got all your heart on one thing and it doesn't happen, and it might never happen because God might not agree with your desire, uh, you can get quite miserable waiting for something that you insist God must do that he doesn't agree with. But if you ask for zillions of things, there's always something in cheering you up. It works. But you know, at the end of the year, everything on my list had a tick next to it and a date when it had arrived. People who didn't know gave me the brass. Uh, don't buy me any because I've gone off it now. <laughs> Somebody who used to keep fish said, I don't want my aquarium anymore, you can have it. A girl who fell in love with one of my friends put the curtains up, hoping he would catch her eye. He didn't, but I got my curtains. <laughs> but at the end of the year, I was amazed. Everything on the list was given. It's amazing how much God's willing to give that we think he isn't, and we try and make it easier for him. We're, tr we're like somebody trying to help somebody up on the horse when he needs no help. And many people are trying to give a foot up to God. You know, he doesn't need our help. We need his help. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit.
And it goes on in a similar vein, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. It doesn't say there'll be no afflictions. It says there'll be deliverances. And a little bit earlier, the passage that I just read, who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Peter picks it up in the New Testament, and we'll go there. And he gives it a slightly different take, which I rather like. So we'll go there. First Peter 3.10, whoever would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceit. He's quoting the same psalm, Psalm 34. I find it interesting that he says whoever would see good days, because you can have a good day and not see it. And in, in uh, Jeremiah 17, it says how God puts a person under a curse who puts all their trust in human beings and looks to human beings to be their blessing or their strength, and it will never work. And worse still, the curse says in Jeremiah 17, he shall not see when prosperity cometh. It doesn't say prosperity won't come. It says it'll come, but you won't know. And there are times in life that you are blessed, but you don't know it. Uh, I have friends sitting in the audience. I got a newsletter from one from the mother saying, we, we live in the top 2% of the world. We do. If you drive a car and you can watch TV and you can eat three square meals a day, you're in the top 2% of the world. You're living in luxury, even if you don't know it. There's no bombs raining down on you. You're not wondering how you're going to feed your children. You're living in the lap of luxury. You ought to be grateful. But it's possible, if you've never been counting your blessings, that you don't realize how well off you are. And one of the things that will keep you in ingratitude and one of the things that will make you feel quite sour with God is to be like a spoiled brat where everything must go your way and it's not happening and so you're miserable. But he's a loving heavenly father and he chooses the inheritance for Jacob. He feeds us with food convenient for us. There are times that we say, I want, I must have, you must give. And God, the heavenly father, smiles at us, cuddles us, but gives us nothing. Other times he showers blessing down and you say, but I don't deserve it. He goes, that's right, it's grace. It's grace. And... Don't put all your trust in a human being. All my life I've got infatuated with people I love, even total strangers. I hurl my life at their feet. You know, here I am, hearts open, walk right in. Sometimes it works too, it's good bait. But um, the, danger, the danger of it is that no human can be everything for you. They can't be there. They don't know your list of things they've got to live up to and they can't do it and they won't do it. You will be disappointed. But if you look to the Lord... You won't be. Uh, and you can say, my life is in somebody else's hands. Somebody else is taking care of my welfare. It isn't me. It isn't a human. I don't look to the churches to keep me. I look to my Heavenly Father to keep me. I don't look to human beings to understand me because they miss big time. But there's somebody who never misunderstand you, never misread you, never mislabel you because he sees your heart of hearts 
and he loves you knowing all your faults and knowing that you'll fail again and again. A friend of mine, James K. Baxter, who was one of the Oxford poets, made a remark. He said, Jesus knew his disciples would let them down, let him down and thought they were worth dying for. Which is a nice thought, isn't it? And I've told you in the past about a friend of mine in Amsterdam who I used to sail with. We had a blazing row and he ruined it all in the middle of it by saying, Marcus, you're worth all the trouble. <laughs> and we serve a God of grace who just simply doesn't give up. And we keep looking. Those who would see good, see good days, let him keep his tongue. Uh, most of you will know the story of Hagar, who had her little son Ishmael, and he was dying of thirst. She hid him behind a bush because she said they were in the desert. And she said, this is in um, Genesis about 17, 18, uh, she hid him behind a bush because she said, don't let me see him die. I don't want to see my boy die. And then an angel comes and opens her eyes and she sees a well. He was going to die of thirst next to a well. There was only one problem, not that God hadn't provided the well, but she couldn't see it. And God may well have given you the thing you long for, but you might not see it. You're looking somewhere else, demanding something else. The very thing you most need is that. I used to read in Psalm 20 and 21 about God granting the desires of our heart, and I finally twigged that when he gives you what he chooses, you find out you desire it more than the thing you thought you wanted. He does grant you the desires of your heart, but not the demands of your heart and they're different. He says, you'll be long and prosperous. He says, you won't, your life will be long and prosperous. You won't lack, verse 10 of Psalm 34. And here we are in 1 Peter 3, which says, let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile and let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. This is a direct quote of Psalm 34. What I find interesting is that although God longs to give you, give to you, he says, if you really want to see a good life, there's something I want from you, your mouth. You can't carry on speaking your own word your own way. Specifically, he says, you keep your tongue from speaking evil. You keep your lips from speaking guile. The, the one who's got to govern your lips is you. And if you won't do it, you may well be speaking your way into trouble. I remember at school, challenging the teacher, and I had big mouth, and they wrote on my school report, Marcus's mouth will get him into much trouble. <laughs> oh, it was true. I told big lies because I wanted to be loved. Told a few lately too. But anyway, <laughs> but I repent fast. But anyway, what, what I learned later on was that I had to refuse that as a curse spoken over my life. I had to uh, refuse the curse so that it had no power and undo what the teacher spoke over my life. That's not a decree I'll live by. 
And I learned there's a power in decrees. Um, Job 22 says, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and light shall shine upon thy way. Uh, you may be decreeing all sorts of rubbish over yourself in the way that you talk. And worse still, you may be deceiving with your tongue. And if you're deceiving with your tongue, you're picking away at the blessing and ruining your own blessings. You're destroying them because you won't let God govern your lips. James chapter 3 talks about how a big ship is, is uh, guided by a very little rudder. A powerful horse is guided by a bit between its jaws, and it says, so is the tongue. Whoever's got your tongue's got you. So reading it in, in its, um, its pattern, let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile and let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. There is clearly a line there that matters. Now, just as I come to a close, I want to say this. You're allowed to love life. You're allowed to see good days. And there's a way there. It is receiving from the Lord and letting him govern your lips. There's an amazing thing in the Bible that disappears from some modern translations, but it's clearly there in the Hebrew. Three times when God is speaking to Abram and saying, in you I'll bless all the nations of the earth, he also says, in you all the nations will bless themselves. And the ability to bless yourself is pleasing to God. Can you, can you hear me here? They shall bless themselves in the name of the Lord. I mean, it's clearly there. And I know that God has got blessings assigned to you. They've got your name on them, and you can have them, but you've got to reach for them and bless yourself with it. When I first got saved, I loved handing out tracts on the street, tracts, you know, little pamphlets of testimonies. And whatever money came in, I'd spend on tracts, and I had a bag full of tracts, and I'd go out on the street. I remember once I was with a friend uh, in a particular city, and we were handing out tracts, leaflets on the street, and we were... The only tract I could get a hold of was an old-fashioned tract with a picture of a fountain on the cover and tried to hand it out to loads of people. Nobody wanted it. And I'm saying, Lord, bless my seed sowing and my harvest. And about that time, uh, some ditch diggers hit the city water mains and up came a fountain and everyone took the tracks then because it, it was... And someone said, how did you arrange this? I didn't, but my father did. But when I spent all my money on tracks, uh, I had ripped underclothes and I couldn't afford toothpaste and I'm complaining to the Lord and he said, I gave you money and you spent it all. I had to learn to leave some of it aside for necessities. I needed to learn Second Corinthians 9, bread for eating, seed for sowing. Bread for eating is what you get to keep and enjoy. Seed for sowing is what you give out, and you've got to live a balanced life. You've got to have both. And while it's really important to be a seed sower, it's also important to be a bread eater. And being a bread eater means you enjoy what God gave you to enjoy because it's got a function. It fuels your gratitude. We ate at Bistro C last night. Gosh, we were thankful and full but 
Psalm 103 says, Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed. If you'd let God bless you, you'll be motivated to give thanks and to witness because you will have tasted and seen the Lord is good. You would have seen good days. When you're seeing good days and letting you yourself see good days, you testify what a marvelous Father we've got that he lets me live like this. And Of course there's a balance. The balance would be don't be like the man that laid up all his money in barns and said, take ease, my soul. And Jesus says, you fool, tonight your life is required of you. It's not about just living your own life. It's about letting God bless you and make you a blessing. It's, it's delighting yourself in abundance and knowing who gave it. That's it. But I believe it's your divine duty. I've said this for years, but I believe it. It's your divine duty to take deeply of every legitimate feast that God gives you. I'll say that again. It's your divine duty to take hold of every legitimate feast that God gives you. Then you've got something to testify of. Taste and see the Lord is good. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 17, giving thanks to God who gives richly all things to enjoy. God's standard of giving, richly. Freely you've received, freely give. And why does he give the things? Not just to feed the poor, not just to get the gospel out. Praise God for those things. They should be on the agenda. But also gives all things richly to enjoy. And I believe learn how to bless yourself in the name of the Lord and thank him for giving the blessings because he wants to lavish his gifts upon you. God is not a mean giver. Not a mean giver. In fact, the Bible says when he sees that their strength is gone, he pours out floods of water on the dry ground. It says, when he saw his inheritance, Psalm 68, when he saw his inheritance was parched, he sent forth a plentiful rain. The river of God is full of water. Not a few drops. Full of water. And God wants to bless you in such a way that you look around and go, I didn't think that I deserved this much. Sometimes when I'm joking with my friend John here, I'll say to him, uh, when he orders something or get something, I'll say, it's too good for you. <laughs> because I know the truth is the exact opposite and he knows where I'm going with it. No, it's not too good for you. God loves to see you delight in what he gives you. You're the Lord's portion. You're his inheritance. Ephesians 1, when Paul is praying for the people, he says, I pray that you'll know what is his inheritance in the saints. God delights in you as his child and he wants to bless you senseless. Let him drink deep. Psalm 36, thou makest them to drink of the river of thy delight. Psalm 36 is all through the book. And one last verse, Psalm 23 verse 1, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God bless you.